Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here with Dodgers fan Larry Levine. A little sore this today, huh, Larry? No, uh, Come on, now you're, you're going to beat me up. I'm not only sore, I'm tired, and I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Tomorrow's ah, a must win, and I never thought I would say that. It's a must win for my beloved Dodgers. You got this, though. I mean, you got to gut it out. We're all about doing the hard work. Man, you guys did some hard work last night. That was crazy. Oh. And it, it's like a knockdown drag down, Daryl. It's like one minute someone scores three, and then the next minute somebody comes back and scores four. And it's just, oh, it's man. a terrible. I'm not going to date myself, but it reminds me of like Ali Foreman fighting or something like that. Well, hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Selling from the Heart podcast. We're glad you're here. If you're brand new, you're absolutely going to love what we've got today. Uh, Larry's going to introduce our guest in just a moment. Um, and the moment he mentions uh, our guest's name, you're just going to be excited. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. If you're new here, welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast. You have joined a community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, doing the hard work, and, uh, and it's going to be fantastic. So last week, we really, I mean, Larry, you, you laid it on thick. <laughs> are you a babysitter or are you a builder? Are you building value and building networks inside your accounts? Today, at today's topic really goes nicely along with that as we, we really dive deeper into our opportunity as sales professionals to create an amazing client experience. So, Larry, why don't you introduce our guest and let's just dive in. Well, thanks, Daryl. And, and I think I was all about, as a sales rep, I was all about that experience because I think that's what it's about is how can you enhance that client experience because if you don't, somebody else will come along and, and like I said, snatch them right away from you. So, so without Absolutely. further ado, um, I've appreciated just watching what our guest does. I've read his book, Fanatical Prospecting, three times, by the way. And without further ado, Did I want to highlight it and put little sticky notes oh, in it. Oh, dude, it, it's highlighted. And when I travel, I actually recite some of the book. So without further ado, I want to welcome Jeb Blunt onto the podcast. So thanks for showing up. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I'm glad I'm here. Thank you very much. I've been looking forward to this. It's been, uh, it's been on the top of my list, selling from the heart. I like it. Well, no, well, thanks. And we appreciate it. And what we always ask our guests, you know, in the very beginning is, what's it mean to you to sell from the heart, Jeb? Because that's what we're all about. Well, I think that, I think we have to recognize that the, the, when, we, when we take all the noise out of what salespeople do, that the most consistent predictor of outcome in the sales process is the emotional experience that the buyer has going through the buying and selling process with the person that they're buying from. And if we, if we just look at it that way, it's all wow. about your ability to create a positive emotional experience for the person that you are selling to. And when we talk about from, that's from the beginning of the process, selling, you know, selling to get the deal closed. And you were talking earlier about clients 
with, with clients, it means that you are focused on them, focused on their needs, and you're never taking them from grant for granted. And I'll throw a statistic uh-huh. out here for you um, that I think will connect with you. And that statistic is this, 70% of the clients that you lose, you do so because of neglect. And wow. if we go and look at, like, and if you, if you take a company, the company does their own study, they won't come up with this. It'll be price and competitors and, you know, the market change and the products. But when we as consultants, so when my group goes into an organization that's having retention problems and we go in and we go do the surveys of their clients, almost like a 360 degree to re- review the HR mm-hmm. might do. Mm-hmm. And we ask clients on their terms, why did you leave? They're used to this. There's always someone else there building a relationship. They'll tell uh-huh. you the salesperson quit coming by. The salesperson yeah. quit calling me. The salesperson started taking me for granted. And somebody else came along and loved me more. They created a better emotional experience. So when I think about selling from the heart, it's all about creating an emotional experience for the person that I'm working with to the point that if they tell me no, that they don't want to work with me, it hurts them viscerally to walk right. away from me. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I look back on my sales career and one of the things that I thought I did very well is, is I sold the experience because to me, it starts from the day of something happens, the day that somebody puts that pen to a piece of paper, or digital signature, or whatever, and you install whatever that technology is that you're installing, to me, the experience starts then. And a lot of sales reps fail to say, this is what you can expect if you do business with me. Mm-hmm. Or when this happens, this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, then they wonder why 90 days later, 120 days later, they go back in and all kinds of stuff has happened is sell the experience. And this is what you can expect. And by the way, you can call five other of my clients and I can just randomly pick them. They're going to tell you the exact same thing. That's true. Now, one of the, you know, one of the fallacies in, in especially in sales in, in the scenario that you gave is that there's so many salespeople who are trying to be perfect. They want everything to be perfect. And when something goes Mm -hmm. wrong, they're running from it. I had a salesperson this morning that for a vendor that I do business with who there was something imperfect and I could tell that he was hiding from me. (laughs) And, and, and I I love it when things go wrong because when things go wrong, what we're able to do is respond very quickly. That response is part of the experience. People don't expect you to be perfect. They do expect you to respond. And I'll go back to when we're as consultants, when my group goes in as advisors to help a company fix problems with their customer sat scores, with their customer attention, what we find more than anything else, number one, is that their response sucks. They don't respond. People are hiding. They've got, you know, you'll hear the customers will say, well, I've called three times and nobody called me back. Because they're brushing, they brushing under the carpet, hope it goes away. They, right. Yeah, exactly. So on that first day when they're doing the install, the salesperson's not there. When something goes wrong, and it always goes wrong, there's always something wrong. Nothing's perfect. The salesperson thinks, well, if, if it's not perfect, they'll be mad at me. Nope. They're not going to be happy. They're going to be right. but they're not going to be mad. If they're not happy and you respond very quickly, then they get more connected to you. Because what they really want is they want somebody that they can call that responds yes. immediately because that like you think about the experience for a, a, the buyer. It's like, I got this dude in my back pocket who cares about me. And when something's not working, they're my advocate trying to get it fixed. And so, you know, we'll take your, your initial question and we can expand it even further, right? It's not just the emotional experience going through the process. It's not just paying attention to me, but it's being there when things are wrong and putting mm-hmm. a smile on your face mm-hmm. 
and doing whatever you can to fix it and being my advocate inside of your organization. Well, it even goes back, and, and, and I look back on the days, I always say, you know, you just got to be visible. It's just, just be, be visible and just right? listen and just be yourself. And, and, and I think a lot of times we just get caught up, and I always talk about fake news, fake sales reps. We get caught up in trying to be somebody that we're not. Just stay true to who you are. Yeah. I agree. I, you know, it was, you, you talk about just being present. I was, uh, two weeks ago, I had Alex Goldfein on, on my podcast and we were shooting a video and he was just, I mean, he was just giving some basic advice. Like I tell my clients, just go pick up the phone and call your clients. Just call them up. Say, how you doing? He says, don't yeah. do anything else. Say, how you're doing? It's right. amazing how much business you'll get out of the clients just because you were present, just because you showed up. And and that's tough. I mean, what we're talking about, by the way, being present, staying, uh, staying connected with people, uh, that it takes a lot Hard of work. emotional acuity organization. Last week I was with a group of enterprise level sales reps who sell into the public sector. And mm-hmm. we spent several days together in a really deep dive into managing the complex sale across these wide stakeholder arrays. And we were just going through the process of staying present with a large group of stakeholders, any of whom can sink you at any time over Mm -hmm. the course of what can be sometimes two years. I mean, from, you know, from prospecting to initial discovery, to business case, to getting funding, to then going into presentation stage, the end to implementation, you know, you talk about how difficult that is to remain emotionally engaged. And sadly, you know, what, what we find is that even in those types of sales that require that level of, you know, of, of emotional understanding of, of, of consistent commitment to be present, we still find that there are a lot of transactional salespeople who basically are trying to, to get as much done in a short amount of time with the least amount of emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And it, from a competitive standpoint, it just makes you look bad. And by the way, you know, the, th- the thing that you have to know is that if you're treating your prospect or your customer um, like a transaction, uh, eventually they're going to treat you like a transaction. And Larry's like a commodity, gonna, right? Yeah, Larry's going to come in and take the business from you. Because, well, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, that, and that's why I'm a firm believer. And I, I, just, I just wrote about it, but I go, there's a really big difference between treating somebody as a customer and treating somebody as a client. Massive. And, and, and it's a mind it, to me, I think it's just a big mindset shift. And I remember this goes back to one of my best clients I ever had. And still to this day, even though they're not my client, they're still my friends. And he goes, you know, something goes, the one thing that really stood out about you, Larry, more than any other sales rep is you came in here. And every time you came in here, you weren't trying to sell me something. You truly cared and you truly wanted to build that relationship with me as well as multiple people inside my organization. And I think that's the one thing I think is really missing from sales reps is they get the deal done. However, they get the deal done and then they move on for whatever reason. And then the only time they go back in there is to either solve a problem or to try to sell them something. Yeah. And and this is where I think you can, you can marry these two things. I need to sell stuff and I got to feed my family and I want to take care of my clients. I, I grew up in a pretty mundane industry. It wasn't sexy at all. Most people, you know, didn't like it. Uh, didn't, they didn't like the service, didn't like the product, and most of the people selling it didn't like it either. And I made <laughs> a lot of money. I, I sold more of that product than pretty much anybody, uh, you know, and this is a kind of a bold statement, but in the history of the, of the product. Um, 
but the one thing that that was different about the way I approached it was it was all about seeking out problems that my client didn't know they had and mm-hmm. finding ways to fix them, even if it wasn't a problem that I could fix, even if yeah. it wasn't a problem that my product could fix. So when I was when I was walking in to my clients and having you know having conversations <clears throat> with them and being present, it was all about them. I was always asking, "Hey, what's happening in your business? What's going on right, right now?" Um, and you know, eight out of 10 times they would say, well, I've got this going on. And I would say, Hey, I know somebody that might be able to fix this, or here's an idea, or it was just another client. And cause I served a lot of the same, you know, same companies in the same uh-huh. industry. And I was always doing those things. And it was weird how I would do a couple of nice things for them. And then they would call me and they had something else or they had more. And instead of calling my competitor, they'd reach uh-huh. out to me because they felt comfortable that I was, I, I was on their side. Yeah. Uh, and I was in their back pocket. I was their go-to guy. You know, it's interesting as I'm, I'm working on a development of a training project in the solution space and the technology world, and, and we're identifying one of the key attributes that we need the salespeople to have as being curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, I'm curious how that <laughs> came into your sales EQ research, uh, because I think you're, you know, going to your clients and saying, what challenges are you facing in your business today? in one sense is a terrifying question for a sales rep to ask. But in another sense, it's an incredibly uh, powerful question to ask because whether you have a solution to that problem or not, you're like you said, you've got a basis for connection on both an emotional level because a business problem is an emotional thing um, and on a very practical, tangible level. But um, yeah, curiosity, we've started identifying that. We may even, even to the point today earlier as we were planning this training, we were, we were actually intending to measure curiosity levels through a Harvard Business School study at the beginning of the training and then measure outcomes you know, six months, a year from now and see if the outcomes are parallel to curiosity. I'll have to stay in touch with you on that. But um, what... Things like curiosity, what are, what are the type of traits that from a, an emotional intelligence side, an EQ side, sales reps can bring to the table to differentiate themselves? Or maybe which are the most effective um, emotional intelligence traits a rep can work on? So I love that you brought up curiosity. So let's, let's start with something. We're in the mm-hmm. pre-show, we're talking about leaders. Yes. So the, 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 most, the most important trait for great sales leaders is curiosity because 80% of coaching is observation. And the key to observation is suspending your judgment, putting away any assumptions and just being curious. I mean, people are doing weird stuff all the time, right? So just, I'm just curious, how come you're doing that? Even if it's completely moronic, how come you're doing it? (laughs) Because I I, I believe that that opens the door to better questions, deeper discovery, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it gets you closer to, the root cause of problems. And, right. and, and so I think that one thing is teaching salespeople to be curious begins with teaching sales leaders to demonstrate the same behavior curiously and coaching. I mean, you know, you know coaching behaviors yeah. are essentially yeah. right. Sales yeah. behaviors. They're just, they're just using a different application. But if you go to curiosity in sales, curiosity <laughs> is the mother of discovery. Yes. It's, 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 it's when, when, when I said I would go in and, and like seek out problems my customers were having that may not be problems I could fix. I just walked in and I was just plain old curious. Let's go over there. Let's take a look at this. Let's see that. Let's see that. It wasn't worrying about what I might find. The enemy of curiosity is attachment. 
So it's the inability. When we start talking about emotional intelligence or self-specific mm-hmm. emotional intelligence, cells EQ. So it's, it's the inability to control your attachment to an outcome that you want to have. So if you want to build curiosity, if you want to teach people to become more curious, the key is dealing with the emotion of, de- of, of, of attachment and teaching people to be detached. So it doesn't make a difference what I find. It doesn't make a difference what I right. It doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you an example from my own life uh, as, as a consultant. So I was working with the CEO. It was, a, it was a, right at a $50 million company. And they had brought me in because they wanted to grow to 100 million. They were plateaued and they were looking for some help. And my company, your sales acceleration company, so we fix problems like that. Mm-hmm. And we do it pretty fast. So we're sitting down in the conference room and it was the dog and pony stage where she was mm-hmm. interviewing a couple of, of, of consultants to see if we were the right people for her company. And she looked across the conference room table and said, first, before we do anything, I just want to know what you think you're going to find. And my answer to her was, was authentic. It was the answer I give anybody who asked me that. I said, I have no idea. I have no <laughs> idea what I'm going to find. Right. Is I'm going to go out and I'm going to sit your sales floor with a cup of coffee and a Wall Street journal and a notebook. And I'm going to sit there for a week and I'm going to keep my mouth shut and my ears open. Here's what I'll tell you, though. If we find something, and it's likely because of the situation you're in that we will find something. Right. be something really small. It's going to make a massive impact. <laughs> That's awesome. So we spent a week looking at what was going on, asking questions. There were a bunch of problems. I mean, there were, there were you know, like any sales team's got a bunch of problems. There were things we could fix and things we could make better. But we found one little itsy bitsy thing. <laughs> very beginning of the sales calling. These were these were primarily inbound prospect or inbound you know calls that were coming from from prospects. Right. One little itty bitty bitty thing, and what was a really big sale. These average sales were thirty thousand dollars. Oh wow! That that was impacting the downstream follow up. And when we fixed that one thing, their sales exploded. They exploded, not on the first call, but on the subsequent calls. And it's always like that. So when you're a salesperson, if you're, you know, I'm, I'm big on, if I'm an outside or a field salesperson, this is impossible in inside sales. But if you're in a field person walking through their business, right. there's nothing to see. There's always something to see. Be curious. Yep. Let go, right? right? You're attached to your time. You're attached to, well, we're going to walk through and not see anything. Detach from that. Open up your mind, suspend your judgment, and just be curious. And by the way, you can practice that. You can right. practice it everywhere you go. Like, you know, I'm, I'll give an example because I've got a bad problem with curiosity. I was in a church in Italy and <laughs> with some stairs going down and I didn't see anybody. So I went down there because I was curious. Awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I got down there, I found a dead dude. So, <laughs> I, was, I mean, curious. It's not a good endorsement for being curious, but yeah. Well, I never forgot it. I mean, no, I that is true. Story. It made me laugh, <laughs> right? Story. Yeah, well, you know, I, would have, I would have never done that if I hadn't been curious. I and mean, it was a, like we were having beers that night going, you know, like, wow, that was cool. Like, <laughs> that dude in a church. So it was, you know, it's just like, I know that it's, it was, it was not that boring. He was, he'd been dead for a couple hundred years. So um, <laughs> it wasn't fresh. So, I mean, it's just that you gotta, like, you gotta put your, you gotta put your, your, um, your problem goggles on and walk around. But when, like, if, but if you're teaching this, if you're measuring right. it, right, the thing is, it's detachment. Now, I, I'm, I'm on my soapbox for a minute, so just, just bear with Go me. Go for it. That's not good, man. 
I'm from Loving the South. It. I can't say anything in 10 seconds or less. So, but think about this. Okay. So when you go to measure detachment, like you want to measure this in a sales organization, okay. Here's where detachment or attachment comes from. Attachment comes from desperation. Yes. Here's what I'll tell you. Yeah. Salespeople, let's go back to the top of the funnel. Salespeople who have thin pipes and empty pipes are more attached to outcome are less exactly. likely to be curious. So managing emotions begins with setting up yourself with a full pipeline of qualified deals so that it doesn't matter that much. And when it doesn't matter that much, it's easier to let go of all the things you're holding on to and just be present with your customer in the moment, asking questions, never knowing where it's going to end up and not worrying about, you know, whether you're going to get this outcome or that outcome. All you got to worry about is what's the next step in this particular sales process. But it allows you to do that. And by the way, that's true for consultants. It's true for leaders and it's true for sales professionals. So wow, that's good. Thank y'all for giving me a little bit of leeway. On no, that. no, but you, you, no, you, br- and you bring up a great point because, you know, I, I was just listening to, to what you were saying, Jeb, as far as, you know, walking around and being present. And, and that's one of the things that I did as a sales rep. That's one of the things that I talked to sales reps about today is you just have to be present in these, these accounts and just walk around, which means uh-huh. you got to block and tackle and you got to set up that time in your schedule on a weekly, daily, monthly basis where you go, you know what? I'm going to go spend the quality time. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, but I remember on a 30-day calendar, I would take my top 30 accounts and I'd say, okay, on day one, I'm going to be here. On day 30, I'm going to be here. And what started happening is before you know it, my accounts were going, I like when Larry comes around, right? If it was the first of the month and I didn't show up, they're going, where the hell are you? But what it did is it gave me the, the ability to be curious because even if I was just walking around, I was observing what was going on. I'd make some mental notes, get back in my car, jot a couple of notes down, and then I would just report back to him what I found. I go, I'm just curious why this happens. Maybe on our next visit, this is what we should talk about. But I think right. curiosity leads to great questions. Yeah, I, that's, you know, um, back in my days when, um, when I was, uh, you know, an account manager, so I had a book of accounts I was managing, uh, I had a checklist, like a little quality checklist I would go through. And what I would, what I would do, and I couldn't do this for every one of my accounts. I mean, I had a, a yeah, book that was, of course big not, yeah. but I would take my top 52 accounts. So I just, I, that's the way I broke it out. But I took my top 52 accounts and I would go to their locations and I would just sit without anybody with me. I just got permission uh-huh. to go in and I would watch the people that were using my product, use the product. And mm-hmm. I would ask questions and I would learn things. And then I would, I would schedule a meeting with the, my, my contact, the person who was buying from me. And I would go to that person and say, hey, I've been walking through your business. And I've been talking to people. I found a couple of places where we need to improve. Here's what we're going to do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and, and I see a couple of other things. What are you seeing? And I would do that. They would be stunned, like stunned right. that I would come to them with the problems that I was creating in their business with a plan to fix them. And, you know, it, not every single time, but at least half the time, it ended up in an additional order. I would get more business out of the conversation. And I did it religiously. That was just, it was just the process I was on and I never lost business. I never lost accounts. And by the way, this is how I got promoted out of that job is that, you know, when you're, when you retain more business than anybody else's, you're making a lot of money for your Mm -hmm. company and they want to give you more stuff to do. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, that people don't buy products and services, people buy you and um, you've got to hold the book up because that is, ah, there it is. This is the gateway book to sales AEQ. You need to, you need to get both, uh, both. And, and, and this is so good. I mean, this conversation 
is so spot on. I can't, I, we're going to have to have you back to dive deeper into this. Cool. Because this whole concept of emotional intelligence around salespeople's curiosity, being detached, desperation, you know, drives commission breath and uh, all of that, I, you know, and I think it's going to circle back to a topic that's near and dear to our heart, which is servant leadership as, as well. And, and inside this whole sales motion, but man, thank you so much for being a part of this. Everybody. Um, if you don't know who Jeb Blunt is, you need to get out from under your rock. First. <laughs> go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you buy books and buy the book, buy the audio, buy it all. Um, and check out sales gravy because there's so much wisdom and insight here. And, and, uh, it's so good to have a friend and ally in selling from the heart, Jeb, it, it, uh, you know, I, I just, it just means so much, uh, for you to be on the podcast and, and I feel the alignment and the, the kindred spirit. So thank you. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. Jeb. And now I don't feel like a social stalker anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love follow- Larry. You're my, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I love following you on social media because you, you post really cool stuff. Usually it's you're, you're drinking beer or you're eating something, but it's always it, like, I, I mean, it's like watching the food network, watching Larry's, <laughs> Larry's Instagram. <laughs> well, it goes back to all the, all the work I do out in the community, but, but you know, just on a side note though, before we part, I, I started figuring out what this Instagram thing was all about by following you and a couple other people and seeing what you were doing with Instagram. And that's why I tell sales reps, I go, Instagram's visual storytelling. You can really learn a lot about somebody by what they post <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah. What you learn is that I spend way too damn much time on social media. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, uh, well, it's a whole other topic, but that's a part of being present in the digital world. And um, so social listening is part of all of that as well. It's just a digital layer to it. But uh, man, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast and everybody that is tuned in. Thank you for uh, sharing this. We welcome you. Follow Jeb at Sales Gravy on Twitter. Um, check out his book, share the podcast. We love your comments. We love your feedback. There's, I feel like we just scratched the surface <laughs> on a, a wealth of insight and information, but as always, um, thank you for being a part of this. We're, you are a part of a community of reps, sales professionals that are committed to doing the hard work, to being genuine, to being authentic and being curious and, and actually detaching from the outcome. So that's our, our challenge to you this week is on your next few appointments, walk in and on the way into that conversation with your client, and hopefully you're stopping by and checking on some of your current clients, just ask yourself, what if I just detached from the outcome today and was curious about how I could help my client, help my prospect improve their operation? So we'll see you next week. Until then, keep it real and sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.